We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode here of Setting the Pace, and we are playing Fachi's team coming up Friday, the Washington Wizards. So we are back, and we are ready to talk about that game. But first, we got to talk about the last game on that seven-game road trip, Fachi. Pacers, Timberwolves, talk to me about this one. Well, first, I'm going to address your Washington Wizards comment. Man, I had ran from it for too long. Hadn't heard it, so I knew once <laughs> I saw the Wizards coming up on the calendar, a comment was coming. But... Second, you know, talking about the Wizards game last night, I mean, oh, wow. Talking about the Timberwolves. Oh, who did they play last night, Machi? Can you let us know? I would not tell you, but the Timberwolves game. Alex, that's where we saw a little bit of everything. We saw the Pacers get absolutely pounced on early in the first quarter, yeah. outscored by 18. I mean, tell me if you've seen that happen before. And then all of a sudden, the boys rally back from as much as 23 down to take an eight-point lead just to unfortunately give it up again. I mean, that was a lot of emotions because at one point I tweeted out, the boys are so ready to go home. Like, it's ridiculous. They they want this road trip to end. They make a comeback. All of a sudden, I'm thinking maybe they got some juice left. But in the end, the comeback falls a bit short. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Fachi, the pace was started off cold shooting from three, but they, they caught on fire there in that second quarter where they scored 40 points or 40-plus 40 points. I mean, they outshot. Minnesota from three, 19 to eight in total three-pointers made. So right there, 11 more threes made. That's 33 points. Now, the big difference here, points in the paint, Minnesota 64 to Indiana's 36. We talked about it on the previous episode. We are a jump-shooting team, and we live and die by the three. When the threes are falling, they keep us afloat. When they're not, I mean, Minnesota had 24 
point uh, points in the paint in the first quarter. And that's where I was just like, okay, this is terrible. The defense has not been good overall. This is where we have to get better. And when you get off to slow starts like that, that's what puts you in such a hole. Like we saw it to our advantage against Golden State. We got a 13-point lead in the first quarter. We were, able to, we were able to hold on to it. When you're playing from behind every time, you're going to eventually – that's going to catch up with you. So I, I just felt like Miles had a really nice second quarter. Buddy Heald was fantastic in this game. I thought Matheringe was okay. He started just missing a lot of shots there uh, towards the end. And um, it, it's one of those things where it's just like Minnesota is a better team than us, even without – uh, without Towns, but at the same time, this is a game they could have won, probably should have won, and I think you know the starters carried their 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 load for that second and third quarter. And when the starters went out in the third quarter, that's when that lead went away. It's because the bench just was not good. No, it's, it's true. It's just when the Pacers, you know, a, a stat that I read when the Pacers were down by twenty three, they ended up outscoring the Wolves fifty one to twenty over that span. They outscored by thirty one, but it's so hard to just keep that up. It was just like they started to run out of gas a little bit. And when you talked about, you know, Buddy Heald, Buddy was great. You look on paper, seven eleven from three, but unfortunately, five of those threes happened in the first half, and then it just across the board, Turner. Hits two monster threes late. It would just really, you know, got us all up and going. But mm-hmm. the Pacers could not, you know, they fouled Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert. Gobert hits both free throws. And then at the end, when Buddy's driving, I mean, ah, I know the Pacers are trying to figure out their closer. But Buddy drives to the hoop. He gets blocked by Gobert. And, and it's just maybe not the play that you wanted to go with. But it just showed that they, they're not quite there yet. They got to find a closer. Even the last couple of games, we've seen – Turner trying to attempt a game winner and then it misses and then, you know, Nemhard hits the game winner or or just it's vice versa. We're trying to find that closer. But another key stat on the glass, Alex, the Pacers got, they got, I don't know how you want to say it, the, the glass got cleaned last night, but it yeah. went on behalf of Minnesota. They out-rebounded the Pacers 51-31. to 31. Yep. That is such a dramatic difference. It, it's crazy. So there was positives. Tyrese Halliburton comes back. You know what? I think the groin's doing just fine. <laughs> 26 and 15. I looked it up. This surprised me. First pacer ever with 25 points and 15 assists. Halliburton in franchise ever, history. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. It is because he had he's put on these performances where you felt like I thought he did that a couple of times. But nope, I guess it must have been maybe he was around 20 points or so. Mm-hmm. So Setting another franchise record, amazing to see. But you tweeted it out, and I got to agree. It hurt me a little bit seeing Andrew Nemhard without the ball that much last night. And look, Tyrese deserves to have the ball, but there were times where Nemhard was just kind of standing by the three-point line, maybe catching it, maybe taking one dribble and passing it. And I was like, man, I know this guy has more to give. Yeah, it's just like with Nemhard, you got to feel for him. Like he's has this monster game where he's just, like, dominating the ball. And then he goes from doing all that to, hey, here I am on the court, you know, let, let me do it every once in a while. And I mean, he got to run a little bit with the second unit because McConnell looked rough coming back uh, from from his sickness, which is which is notable. But, you know, we talk about that buddy play, and, look, I get it. Aaron Neesmith was wide open in the corner yep, for three, and maybe, maybe he could have passed it there. Maybe it's the right play. But I think I'd, I'd take my chances of Buddy taking Gobert at the rim 
as crazy as it sounds, over trusting Aaron Neesmith to knock a three down wide open. So, you know, I'm not trying to hate on the guy, but I'm just being honest. Even if it's a he right was, basketball He was player, one of six from three, so it's not like he was hot. Exactly. He's, yeah. not, he's, not, he's not shooting the ball well at all. So, And he hasn't since he's been in the NBA. It's been pretty bad. So, But he had to go back a few plays because, remember, Buddy Hill did previously take Gobert off the dribble about a minute or so before that. So you have to think when he saw the switch – probably thought, okay, I can do the same thing again. And, you know, maybe he was just a step too slow. Maybe Gobert was able to recover because he's so long. But, yeah, I I just think good play by Gobert. I I didn't hate the drive as much as everybody else did. Everyone's like, give it back to Miles. He's hot. I get it. But Buddy Buddy Heald had just made a great drive earlier in the the fourth quarter there. So against Gobert. So I wasn't too worried about that. But Fachi, the bench, like I mentioned, was so bad. Oh, yeah. Seven of 23, our bench was. That's terrible shooting. That's under 35%. Matherin had five of the makes, five out of seven. Yeah, Matherin had 14 of the 20 points, or excuse me, not 20. They had uh, 24. 14 of the 24 bench points for this team. That's not going to cut it. You have to have somebody else step up. I mean, we saw O'Shea play great in in, in Golden State, and he only gets seven minutes. Yep. So it's nothing. I don't understand what the had four rebounds. He had four rebounds in seven minutes. The Pacers barely rebounded, period. So yeah. I, I, I mean they they really only played a six man rotation for a heavy load of minutes. I mean basically yep. 32 for, for Mather and 33 for Neesmith, 34 for Turner, 32 for Nimhard, 36 for Halliburton, Burton, 37 for Heald. Honestly, I don't know what O'Shea needs to do, but to me, O'Shea has been better than Aaron Neesmith all season yep. long. I would have yeah. liked to have seen him get some of those minutes, maybe with that group, because he doesn't get a chance to play with him. When you play him with a bench and it's pretty much Matherin or Bust, you got to figure something out. I just this this team desperately needs to get Chris Duarte back because his upside really does change how this team plays. No, it really does because you're talking about you know since Jalen Smith was out, the top five Pacers play 32 minutes or more, and then everybody else O'Shea with seven, Gogo with two. Kendall Brown, I'm surprised, honestly, was still in, in the rotation. He got five minutes. And three uh, fouls. <laughs> he did have three, yeah. So he, he did have three fouls and, and a turnover, but, you know, he still got some minutes. So it was interesting to see, but it was a very, very condensed rotation over there. And now you can see, once you add Jalen Smith back to the mix, you bring Chris Duarte back over there. A couple people have to go. Obviously, yeah. Goga's two minutes aren't going to happen. Kendall Brown's five minutes are gone. Does that mean O'Shea's gone? You know, so it, it's just – and then Isaiah Jackson only plays 12 minutes. So it, it's it's going to be tough to figure it out. Rick actually had uh, a very – I'm going to find this quote. I got it right over here. But he was talking about how some changes to the lineup could be coming. So he said, we're going to keep uh, – we're going to have to keep looking at it. Um, if we got to do things with the lineup, we will. But when you get down to it, you set yourself up for comebacks. It's not a good way to do business in this league. So – Curious to see, you know, what is the adjustment going to be in that rotation? Neesmith playing 33 minutes. I got my eyes over there. It might be a little bit less moving forward. Yeah, over there, over here, wherever they're at, Fachi. Uh, you know, it's one of those things with, with Neesmith. It's just like, I mean, like we said, he's been a better defender. Yep. Without Duarte, you need someone that can do that. But it's just, man, he just does not spread the floor enough for me. And he had five fouls. I mean, he fouls a lot when he plays um, just because he goes so hard all the time. And we've kind of talked about that a little bit, just being funny, talking about how his shots like a pinball machine, right? The lever on a pinball machine, but like that's kind of how he plays all the time. He's just kind of crazy. And uh, 
don't don't necessarily like hate him as like a taking a flyer on him, trying to give him an opportunity. But it's just like that's pretty much what you got for Brogdon. And at this point, yeah, like I'll, the the twenty eighth overall pick, maybe the twenty ninth. It's not so, going to be good. Uh, well, we'll see because we got Nimhart at 31. You can't count that out. Oh, and yeah, I think yeah, the Pacers sure. have a good development system so far with the classes. I'd still do that trade, though. I'd still do it. The, the, well, here's the reason why you do it. It's because it opened up opportunities for not only Tyrese to have full control yes, of the backcourt. That. It allows Stay. Nimhard. Allows Nemhard to play because he might not have actually been able to play because you're not going to have TJ McConnell just not playing, uh, especially yeah. early on the season. You also saved money in That's the long term. Too. So th- there was a lot of pluses, even if the Pacers aren't going to walk out of this deal with like uh, a player equivalent to the talent level of Brogdon. Because well, I wasn't even expecting that, but like... that never was. And anybody that was looked at that's not what this trade was. This trade was good for the Pacers in many different avenues. And let's see in the end, maybe Tice's contract or anything works in a way to benefit the Pacers of being flipped down the line. Who knows? We'll find out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, it, it's it wasn't a bad oper- it wasn't a bad trade. But at the same time, you're really hoping Neesmith can step up. It's only 25 games in. Don't want to write him off completely yet, Fotch. But I just I gotta see more from him. And I and I'm hoping maybe he can work with a shooting coach or something because for him to be that good in college to this bad in the pros, what what's what's missing there? I, I just don't I don't understand. I don't know. This is a guy who, you know, at, at his height at Vanderbilt was shooting 57% from three. All right. He's shooting 32% in the NBA. I mean, that is a massive drop yeah. off. No one was ever expecting that. But this is where, like, could you shoot 35, 36%? I know it doesn't sound like a big difference on paper, but those, you know, when you're supposed to be a sharp shooter, he's having a lot of. A lot of highs and lows, but maybe not enough of the highs. So mm-hmm. overall, you know, when you look at, at being a starter, no. I, I know the Pacers have liked the fit a little bit more in the starting rotation, but Aaron Neesmith is not a starter on really any other team in the NBA, if not more than two. Well, he's starting because Duarte is probably of hurt. Of course. That's, that's what And, and Jalen Smith was hurt, right? Yeah, so that's part of the reason he started. And he's got twelve starts this year, though, for the Pacers. Yeah, but that's because they were experimenting a lot with the lineup, and I and I get it. But yeah, you know, it's he got replaced by by Nimhard out of that starting lineup just because it wasn't working as well as they had hoped. But I'll just say this: I, I think last night was just a perfect example of how Miles Turner can be utilized to really help this team. Like we saw him have thirty. Was it thirty? What did he have against the? The Timberwolves the first game was it thirty seven? I think it, uh, it might have been a little bit less. I'll pull it up right now, but it was it was in the thirties. It was in the thirties. He had like thirty four or something like. I that. mean, he was just lights out, and I remember like he hit two threes back to back to tie the game up right. Yep. Um, and in the fourth quarter, and Gobert is hot. Okay, I don't even think Gobert was guarding. Like Gobert is looking at his teammates and screaming, "You got to get out there!" And there Gobert is like at the paint, you know, in the, in the paint. So it's kind of like. Miles can obliterate Rudy Gobert every time they play against one another. And and we've talked about this a little bit, especially I've been bringing it up a lot. It's just seeing when Miles plays against centers versus power forwards, it is a different game for him. And this Timberwolves team, I I mean, they are an interesting team. I still kind of like them as uh, overall talent-wise, like what they can potentially do in the playoffs maybe. I, I still believe in them a little bit. But, man, just like – 
Gobert dunking the ball with like four seconds left, whatever. I hate Rudy Gobert. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I just so annoying. Say, he's so annoying. And yeah. I know other people feel the same because I tweeted something about it and other people on Twitter were just like, oh my God, like he's just so annoying. It, it's just <laughs> these little like Gobertisms or whatever it is that he does out Gobertisms, there. I like that. It just rubs you a little bit wrong. And that dunk put the icing on the cake of why I feel that way. Yeah, and I mean, I get it, but that's no different than Mather and stealing the ball from Terry, Dale and Terry in Chicago and dunking it when they're down by 20 points, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't care that he dunked the basketball, but I felt like there was this part of Miles that just wanted to push him as soon as he went up for the dunk. And they've got into it before. You I know. I was, I was mm-hmm. waiting for it, to be honest with you, but I think Miles was just like, yeah, not worth my time, but like, you know, Gobert had a great game. Gobert's a really good player. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he does help Minnesota, even as much as everybody likes to make fun of Gobert. It's he's an easy, he's easy to dislike for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know if it's even just as a player, but personality wise, like I don't know, he's just annoying, like you said. Yes. But Miles, I mean, I thought he was great, and you already talked about how great Halliburton was. I thought Buddy Hield really kept the Pacers afloat in this game, got us back into it. I thought Matherin, while you know, not a perfect game. Got to the free throw line at a decent rate. Got six free throws. Just Let us. One, he's just gotta. He's gotta convert on those free throws when he's struggling so much from the three of six is not like him. No, it's not. And when I saw that he was one of four, I was like, man, come on, dude. Like, I uh, I was listening on the radio and then I had to stop for a second and I was like, look at my phone. I was like, he missed two free throws. Like, what the heck? That's not him. He had his first three and I'm like, okay. Then he missed the next four. So it's just like, I'm hoping that coming back, sleeping in his own bed because. I even heard a couple of the guys say it in the press game, uh, in the press conference last night. I was like, there you go. Pachi can't make fun of me if the players are saying it. But, uh, you know, get those guys some some good rest. Let them hear the home fans again and and Mather and hopefully can just knock some shots down and get back on a roll because they need them, Fachi, if they want to be competitive or whatever you want to call it. Like if, if the bench is going to be good, it's got to be Mather. No, it has to be. And I think we all expected it. We talked about it, but it did happen. Matherin went back to the bench. You know, not a peep was heard or anything. It wasn't like people were making an outrage about it. And I think that while he didn't have that type of vintage Matherin performance from earlier on in the year, he's going to go through these highs and lows. It's going to be fine. I still do think that he's a better fit with that second unit, so he could be a little bit more featured. I mean, he's got 16 shots. I don't know how he would have been able to do that in the starting lineup over there. So, you know, he, he, I look forward to him kind of breaking out of this this slump a bit. But also, just like you mentioned, the Pacers, they got to be eager to, to get back home. I mean, I know they got a back-to-back coming off. Really only have one day off. They're only off for, for Thursday. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting. But this is a team that they're 6-8 and eight away. They're, they're better at home, as they should be. And I think that they're excited for that. And I think the Wizards are a team right now that the Pacers – can get a bounce back win on, you know, earlier in the year, they were stronger right now. The wizards look like the same old wizards they've been. So I think this is a good opportunity for the Pacers to bounce back. I hope, you know, Jalen Smith is able to get back out there. I think that we're starting to get healthier. Mm -hmm. Still no update on Chris Duarte though. Yeah. No update on him. I'm not too worried about that. No reason to rush him back. Just take your time with that injury, get him back healthy. And with Jalen Smith, same thing. I mean, if he needs to miss another game to, Get that ankle up if he needs a was it a, was it an ankle or was it it's a, a knee? right knee soreness right knee soreness okay so get that knee I was thinking ankle because Duarte get the knee uh, healed up and then obviously if he has to miss Saturday's game too I think they're playing Brooklyn on a back to back yep. 
you know, your two, your two hometowns there, Fachi. Yep, <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, when we first started doing this, it's mm-hmm. so weird how much they played them back to back. Like that's kind of like bizarre. It's the fourth, the fourth time we played Brooklyn this year. I know. It's like we're playing them four times in like twenty six games. It's it's kind of strange. That is really weird, and I'm sure the Nets did not think that they would be down two one at this point <laughs> against no, the Pacers. No. But yeah, so honestly, it's going to be interesting, Fachi. But here, as we close up the show. I think we got to touch touch on this. Bleacher Report put out a trade idea, Fachi, that was pretty nutso, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it just so everybody hears it in case they didn't. The title is Miles Turner to the Big Apple. The New York Knicks receive Josh Richardson, Terry Taylor, Miles Turner. The Indiana Pacers receive Evan Fournier, Emmanuel Quickly, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, Dallas's 2023 three first round pick top 10 protected via New York and Detroit's 2024 20, uh, second round pick via New York San Antonio Spurs get Mitchell Robinson in this trade oh my goodness this is a lot going on here Fachi but what are your initial thoughts on this trade for the Pacers when I first saw it I said hands off Terry Taylor no I'm kidding but look uh, when I looked at this it was just you know this was a deal that would be an absolute home run for the Pacers and is one of the most disrespectful things that you could tell Knicks fans because <laughs> I sent it to my Knicks friends. Uh, a lot of my friends are, are Knicks fans, and they were like, "So you're telling me we're trading Obi Toppin, all right, who is still a really solid player, but you know maybe doesn't have as much of an opportunity in the Knicks compared to other teams? A first round pick, an early second round pick, Cam Reddish, who you know I know Pacer fans still like, and quickly, who's a solid point guard, just to kind of unload." Really, one and a half years of Evan Fournier because that fourth year is not guaranteed. That's yeah. a lot. Then you look at what the Knicks are getting. Josh Richardson heading towards free agency. Terry Taylor likely going to be a free agent unless the Knicks wanted to pick <laughs> up his option. And then Miles Turner heading towards free agency. And they just kind of unload Mitchell Robinson, who they just signed. Uh, so I, I just I, I think that this is a, a, a pipe dream for Pacers fans over here. And I know some of them might even be saying, I don't know if I give up Turner for that. guys." Turner could walk. If you got this trade return, this would be a real solid return. Yeah, I mean, if you got this for a guy that says I'm not going to stay here long-term, trade me, then I think this is a pretty awesome deal. Yeah. But at the same time, the Pacers don't have room for all these guys in the rotation. Too many guys involved here. Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Evan Fournier. Look, at this point, you'd probably just cut Evan Fournier from your team. I mean – I don't know. I mean, they probably might keep him just because Maybe he's a veteran. Yeah. Uh, Manuel quickly, another guard. I mean, do they even have any room no. left in the backcourt? I don't None. think so. Cam Reddish, yeah, it's an interesting flyer. I think somebody put this out on Twitter. I forget who it was. I'm sorry I saw it today. They said Cam Reddish is going to kill the chemistry in the locker room. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but I can kind of understand where you maybe get that mentality from. It's like Cam Reddish feels like he, you know, deserves all this playing time and all that stuff when he really hasn't earned it. He's only been okay in the league, right? Yeah. He's he's had a couple of games where he's looked like a really good player, a really intriguing player for us to go after. But at this point, like, was on the Hawks. They traded a whatever kind of pick to get him in the Knicks, and then the Knicks really didn't like him. So, you know, I don't know. Playing with two old-school coaches and Thibodeau and McMillan might be part of the thing, too, especially with them focusing on defense. Don't know how much that would resonate with Rick Carlisle as well. <laughs> kind of a similar style in terms of old-school coach that really focuses on defense. So don't know if I like that. Obi Toppin is where this gets really interesting because he's not been good for New York. He's had a hard time getting into the rotation. He's not really developed a great offensive game. 
he's a high flyer. He's fun, but is he a good player? I don't know. I would be interested to take a flyer on him. But getting Detroit's 2024 second-round pick could be really nice. And I think also getting that 2023 first-round pick, you know, top 10 protect from New York uh, via Dallas is really nice. So, honestly, like, the picks and probably Toppin are the most intriguing thing. But, like, still, I mean, I think you can find a better package overall. Just call me crazy. But I think you can find a better overall package for Miles Turner that makes sense for what your team needs because at that trade – it's a lot of names, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't equal a lot of depth that your team needs. I, I honestly don't know how many of them would make the rotation. That's the, also the thing is the Pacers would need to include more bodies in that deal because, like, if you're doing a deal like this, like T.J. McConnell's probably got to be included in there because where would quickly ever be able to play Evan Fournier? I just don't know how you would be able to have Evan Fournier and Buddy over there trying to get solid minutes. So, so and that doesn't make sense. But I do think a package of, a, of like, a quickly a top in, a, you know, the the first-round pick from Dallas and then that Pistons pick, even that that right over there is a solid package if you know Turner's not returning. Right. So for Evan Forney over there, that's kind of that thing where it's like you don't want to take back additional money. It'd be roughly about $18 million on the books next year, which then kind of muddies the water a bit when you have – Buddy and Fournier, who are both really bringing this a similar thing to the table over here. Um, so it's an interesting trade. I don't think that the Knicks would do this deal because they would. Or be the Spurs? It. Why would the Spurs do this? The, all of a sudden, the Spurs are a Mitchell Robinson away from. Like, it's like it's eh, it's just like it doesn't. Do they really the want long term money in a sign like that, Mitchell Robinson? I don't see that for them. I, the Spurs seem like the oddest team that's in this mix. They must have just been looking for a team that can accommodate salary-wise. That's Justin what it Nixon, is, cap space. Roughly, I think about $13 million expiring, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that for the Knicks, if you if Turner wasn't going to resign, it's, it's a really bold move to trade a lot for a guy who's entering free agency, especially yeah. where the Knicks are at right now. That's not like they're like a Turner away. They're like – they're, you know, in, in the play-in territory, if not below. So, not a good move. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks, that, I, I told you this via text when we were talking about it. So, the only reason they do it is that they feel like Miles Turner is the missing piece for them. Mm-hmm. And they believe because he has, uh, you know, changed agents with CAA, I believe, you know, a lot of the people that work in the front office for the, the Knicks are, are through the CAA agency as well. So, that could make some sense. Like, okay, we feel confident that we can extend him. He's a shooting big man that can play down low on switches, and he'll fit really nice next to Julius Randle because they've already seen how Miles could be impactful next to a guy like Sabonis. But at the same time, Sabonis and Randle are still a little bit different. You know, I, I don't I don't know what they're thinking with maybe why they would come up with this deal. But overall, I think it's not a really good deal for anybody involved, personally. And even though the Pacers get a lot of good stuff back, it's just like it doesn't make a lot of sense. So that that's kind of where I'm at with it. But Fachi, we've got to close. Go ahead. Real quick. Think about this. When we're talking about how much assets the Pacers have moving forward, three first-round picks, all of a sudden you're talking about adding another pick and young talent. Where is everybody going to go? Then all of a sudden we'd be locked into being like, I don't even know if we can sign someone this (laughs) offseason because we already have so many players. So this is the type of situation where you would have to start cutting guys and it really wouldn't make much sense. And that is why Bleacher Report is a wild place. (laughs) I like how you put it. Uh, Bleacher Report is a wild place. Love when other people put out trade ideas and we can talk about them instead of having to give our owns and getting ridiculed for it. But 
that's just like you said, three adding four picks with already adding on another four players for two guys. You're talking guys eight for too. two here. Like this is so crazy. I just can't imagine. So there'd have to be a lot of roster movement. I don't think you're going to see a Turner uh, trade where it's like a one for four type thing. No, you're probably going to see like a one for one or maybe a, a two for two. Maybe you throw in like a smaller contract like Terry Taylor's and and get something back. I mean, but I, that's just crazy to me. I just can't imagine this happening. And OB, Cam Reddish, and Quickly are like all up for new deals too. So it's yeah. just like, I don't know if that's the pieces that we need moving forward to lock us in for years to come. No, not at all, Pachi. But with that being said, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, right over there. You can check us out on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. I did a uh, State of the Pacers interview there with JMV for the Blue and Golden. If you guys are interested in that, we talked a lot about Miles Turner, his bit with this team, and, and, and where JMV stands, because you all know JMV is a big Miles Turner fan. So, you know, we talked about that. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited that the Pacers are back home and ready to take on the Washington Wizards, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.